Good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Joe and Joe Weather Show on a night where we have, uh, well, we have a potential severe weather threat, although I think we need to have a conversation about that. Uh, and of course, you can see the, well, rather, I don't know, questioning look by uh, Mrs. Bundy as uh, <laughs> JJ is in his usual position during showtime, fast asleep. <laughs> the Joe and Joe uh, weather show uh, is uh, brought to you by OmniTrue Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. Uh, a good place to go just in case you need to freshen up your supplies when it comes to dealing with adverse weather because they have it all there. 1226 North Wellwood Avenue, 631-756-1125 in West Babylon, New York on Long Island. And the website is omnitruevalue.com and brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini. We're one day closer to the holidays. Your complete holiday lighting specialist meeting all your decorating needs. Whether you want to make your house look like um, Chevy Chase's house in, uh, I believe it was Christmas Vacation, or perhaps uh, you want to make this part of your, your own business and decorate other people's houses. They're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, also on Long Island. 631-957-5106 is the telephone number, and the website is liholidaylighting.com. So let me put the camera back so you can see me. Is, is Omni going to be uh, opening on Friday morning at 3 a.m. like they do in... In place of snowstorms, uh, uh, that I don't know. That's a, that, that's a good question. I I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't been told uh, that that they are. So, uh, but if if uh, I will inquire, and why can I not get this camera to look? There we go. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just having one of those nights tonight. I I think I'm having the kind of night that the forecaster over at the Storm Prediction Center <laughs> is having today. I say this not in a not in a mean sort of way, but uh, they put up a watch box, and I, I think, given the circumstances in terms of what was going on aloft, uh, that and, and of course after what happened yesterday, that the watch box was certainly justified. Except that when we take a look at it in just a little bit, you're going to notice that, except maybe on the northernmost fringe of the watch box, there were severe thunderstorms all around the watch box, but in the watch box itself. There's little or nothing going on, at least as of 7.30 Eastern time. And, of course, we've got, well, we, we've got Elsa to talk about, too. We still have, we still have a, you know, three hours, three and a half hours to go, and we'll, we'll see how this all pans out. I personally, Joe, didn't think that we were going to get anything until later this evening. I'd say around uh, 10 o'clock or so. Well, so that's, that, we'll seems to, that, that seems to be the case, considering where, what's on the radar and where it's coming from, that, yeah, maybe it may, may be more like 9, 10, or 11 o'clock, depending on where you are. I have to wait for it to simmer or boil, so to speak. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And, yes, the, uh, the uh, future antics of Elsa, which is really co confounding and confusing, I think, the folks over at the National Hurricane Center trying to figure out where it's going to go and, and how strong it's going to be. Tonight on the CBS Evening News, Major Garrett, who is filling in for the lovely, um, uh, uh, oh, good. Nora. <laughs> now you see, now you see what happens here, folks. I always say if you can't remember her name, if you can't remember her name, there's a consultant out there. There's a Nora, consultant out there Nora that's a Nora O'Donnell, O'Donnell yes. Yeah, Nora O'Donnell. So I, I remember, you know, Major Garrett. How many of you have ever named your son Major, you know? And my daughter worked with Major uh, Garrett. But he, he let off the news tonight, the uh, national CBS News, by saying, now the storm is going to move along the eastern seaboard and is expected to get stronger as it approaches New York. And, you know, you see that, and immediately, you if you live in the New York area, you immediately are thinking about, Irene, you're probably thinking about Sandy, you're probably thinking about Donna or Bell or any of the other storms that, you know, did a number on us by by hearing that and uh, scaring, I guess, you know, most of the population who was 
watching the news this evening, giving the impression that we were going to be in line for something along those lines of uh, a severe meteorological hemorrhage, so to speak, <laughs> on on Thursday night, Friday morning. One of the frustrating parts of this, for, and, and it's always been for me, is my attempt to just basically stay on message and stay on point when it comes to this sort of stuff. And unfortunately, and, and, and of course, much not only does this have to do with the antics that are going on in, in other media with this sort of thing, uh, but also uh, the, let's uh, let's remember the tendency for the uh, the average consumer of this news to forecast shop. So uh, I'm just going to ask a simple question. Uh, you you know you and you and I were kind of, were sort of on the same page last night with regards to what's going to happen with Elsa. Do we remain on that page, or are we going to a different chapter? No, I think uh, I said last night that the storm would bring a bit of rain to our area and even a bit of wind to our area, but nothing to compare with, let's say, last year with Itza'ia, nothing to compare with uh, some of the storms that have really, uh, as I mentioned a few moments ago, done a number on us, like Irene with 12 inches of rain or Sandy with uh, storm conditions that were unprecedented in the modern history of mankind or in the modern history of the New York City area. Uh, we're going to get some weather out of this, but it's not going to be anything that I don't think we're going to, uh, be too overly concerned with once we, uh, the storm moves on past and your favorite discuss, uh, the, your favorite forecaster at the hurricane center, Joe Pash. Yeah, I, I think he must've been, he must've missed the 455 bus because the, uh, the stuff didn't come out until about 459. So, so he wrote another re relatively short by the standards of technical discussions, uh, a short technical discussion. He said uh, it, is, it, it is dubious as to whether Elsa will be completely tropical in 48 hours due to the uncertainty as to when extra tropical transition will occur. We will post tropical storm watches uh, for Long Island and portions of Southern New England at this time. In other words, the heck, let's cover our you know what by simply putting up uh, watches, tropical storm watches, and uh, see what happens. <laughs> He does have a point with what what with what he says in terms of, and I know it's their job to just sort of to get into the technicals of it all, but the problem is trying to translate those technicals to the folks at home, who, you know, maybe do not quite understand the whole process, and and of course when we're in the middle of of a system that's you know basically transitioning over from a tropical to a uh, a post-tropical system, it kind of changes what the outcome could be depending on your location. And, and we're in a situation here in terms of the vast you know, majority of the area that we, 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 we talk about. There's going to be different things going on in different places. Uh, it's conceivable, for example, that part, uh, central and eastern Long Island could be uh, to the east of the center. Uh, and the rain will at that point have kind of curled back over to the west side of the low. Uh, the wind may be a more of a factor going east, less of a factor going west in part of that transition. So I, I did tonight on my website post, I, I just broke it down to what to expect in New Jersey, what to expect on Long Island, what to expect in the Hudson Valley, what to expect in southern Connecticut. Because each one, there's a nuance to each one in terms of, uh, of uh, the uh, different forecasts, the, the different elements that are going to be occurring and in terms of the timing. But the bottom line is, I think, as you, this is going to be, should be manageable. Uh, the, the European last night had a 989 low near Sandy Hook. And when I saw that, I thought, you know, if that ever verified, then it would be a really big problem. Because then we would probably see a short period of winds of 40 to 50 miles an hour with the low moving up. But that just seemed way overdone. Uh, none of the other models were anywhere close to that. And uh, the European actually pulled back a bit in terms of the... Uh, the intensity. I guess the one nagging question for me in all of this is that we, and I'll bring up the satellite loop here uh, with regards to, to uh, that nagging question, is uh, this upper trough. And when we look at the loop, you're going to, you're going to see three things going on here. You're, you're going to, of course, uh, see 
Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. Sorry about that. Hang on, folks. I just clicked the button a little too quickly. Here we go. So uh, here we now let me show the three factors. Of course, we're talking about Elsa, uh, which is uh, right there. Uh, still has that cyclone signature to it now that it's moved inland. Uh, you've got the uh, severe weather uh, and thunderstorms that are going on uh, mostly to the north. And back in here, this is the upper trough that's beginning to drop in and swing around. And I, I think that's the one nagging question I have in all of this. And the models all seem to indicate that that trough is not going to have a huge impact on this. Uh, it's not going to come down and energize it and cause it to strengthen. I know the earlier discussions were talking about the possibility that once it moved off the Virginia coast, maybe there'll be some what we call baroclinicity. Uh, a little bit of uh, the best way to describe that is just uh, the way non-tropical storms intensify. Uh, the upper trough will energize this and, and uh, cause the pressures to fall. I'm not so sure that that's going to happen with this. So there's some uh, big questions in my mind in terms of the actual strength of that upper trough. And then and I think that's a, that's a variable I just want to keep open in the back of my mind in case something really screwy happens at the last minute. Well, you know, I looked at uh, the the path of the storm last night and uh, this morning, the projected path. And I've come up with um, a listing. I've looked at, you know, 60 or 70 years worth of tropical data and uh, came up with seven, excuse me, six storms where the path somewhat resembled what we're seeing projected for Elsa. Well, you have and the, you have the, screen sharing capabilities if you want. Well, the the, the I, I don't have these specifically uh, uh, available. I mean, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll show one or two, but I have one that was relatively recent, uh, and in fact, I even posted on my Facebook page a few days ago uh, because it coincided with the Independence Day. Fourth of July weekend was Hurricane Arthur. Arthur was in 2014, and that brought again a bit of wind and rain to parts of our viewing area. Uh, there was a there was a storm, tropical storm Beryl, July 19, 2006. Then there was Josephine, that was back in 1996 in October, October the 9th. There was one that was a historic near miss, 125 mile per hour winds. Uh, grazing the region around Cape Cod and uh, Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, Hurricane Gerda back in September of 1969. And then there was Cindy in 1959, Edna in 1954. And again, these storms may be noteworthy in one way, shape or form, but they did not, I repeat, they did not, you know, cause any, you know, major problems in and around the New York City metropolitan area. Certainly, if you mention Sandy, everybody says, oh, yeah, well, of course, we remember Sandy or Irene or Gloria back in 1985. But all of these storms I just mentioned, they came, they went, they brought a bit of rain, a bit of gusty wind. And uh, that was that was pretty much that. So that's I'm, I'm thinking that along those lines, of, you know, looking at the past, Joe, looking at storms like this and seeing where. Um, else is projected to go. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying right now. So we're going to be in for some, some uh, showery weather, a bit of a breeze, some windy weather. But I mean, if you're thinking about hundreds of thousands of people thrown in the dark, power outages, or beach erosion, or five inches of rain, that that kind of thing. I I don't think that's going to be the story. First of all, I think it's moving too fast. I mean. The it's only it's six to storm. eight hours. It's six to eight hours from start to. Yeah, I mean, they've got it down here. Cape May, Cape May at two a.m. on Friday morning, and already by two p.m. on Friday afternoon, that's what twelve hours later. They've got the storm already passing Cape Cod. That's really fast. So, as you just mentioned, it's gonna if, if it whatever it does, it's gonna be lasting for, you know, several hours or maybe a little more than that, and then pretty much I wouldn't be surprised if Friday afternoon. The sun was out. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and you know that's you know the in the aftermath of the storm. Well, so we'll see we'll see what happens. I I have uh, I put up WPC's uh, forecast rainfall mapping and and again also let's bear in mind too that in terms of the uh, of the size of this this is not a, this is not a big system it, it's fairly small compact 
So you see this narrow band and the darker green of uh, two, that's the two to four inch rain band. It's kind of uneven as it runs from uh, southeastern Georgia, where it's raining now. Uh, and I had so actually had some some renegade stuff that's running to the on the northern periphery of the circulation just went through here with some heavy rains. And I have a temperature, Joe, that dropped to 69 and didn't even get out of the 70s today. Uh, but uh, you can see that rain, uh, the two to four inch band kind of uneven running through uh, east southeastern Virginia, the Delmarva Peninsula through New Jersey. The dark green is two to four. I probably think it will be closer to the two than the four. Uh, and then, of course, right. you see the two to four inch rains up uh, in um, in New England. So that's uh, there. You took you you took you took the words right out of my, right out of my mouth. By the way, I, I, saying that as you can see in the dark green, that's the two to four zone. But uh, changing your language a little bit in a different tone, I would put the emphasis more on the two as opposed to the four. Right. I really don't see you know four or five inches coming out of this again and, because of the speed of the system. Yeah, and, and they also have in that whole zone, by the way, a slight risk of uh, flash flood issues. I, I suppose if somebody gets two inches of rain in six hours, there is going to be some potential for some localized flooding. So, but this is not this is not I was something that I would regard as extraordinary. It, this this is not uh, is AES from last year where we had a uh, the low going up. Uh, inland of the coast and interacting with a deep upper trough, uh, you know, much deeper upper trough than what we have down in the Great Lakes that caused the system to strengthen like a non-tropical storm. And we had about six hours of uh, 50 to 70 mile an hour uh, sustained winds and even some gusts higher than that. Uh, so it's a whole, it is a whole different ball game. I just want to emphasize that uh, overall, uh, barring a last minute surprise, if that upper trough were to energize this somehow, uh, it could change things for some areas, but that's that's a long shot chance. It's something I'm not really forecasting. Now, now this is a, I saved this uh, from earlier. This was the Hurricane Center's forecast this morning of the track, and uh, the uh, the cone is the the blue lines would represent no, what you would normally see as the cone, and you know, I, it is very tough with these forecasts because. You know, you, you, they're giving you a range here of where, uh, what time, quote unquote, gales will arrive. But the probability of those gales being north and west of the center are not that high. I mean, you, unless you're really, really close to the low, there's not going to be, be that much. But more importantly, I just want to kind of focus on the track here, which uh, had it in the southern part of the Delmarva Peninsula and then moving northeastward, passing east of Long Island, uh, just east of Montauk. And uh, looks like, uh, you know, near Nantucket, Hyannis, uh, over into southeastern Rhode Island by uh, around, well, this was be, I, I think that was for like 1 p.m., if I remember correctly. Uh, so on the new run, which I will give this a refresh, I'll just give me a minute to, to load and, and, and uh, fix up the map. Uh, I, I kind of like these interactive maps because when you look at the forecast map, um, when you look at the forecast maps now, uh, it, it's a very, very wide geography. So you're looking at something like this, and, and oftentimes you look at the track and you're like, well, where is it? Okay, so um, here's a tighter view, and we'll put the track uh, on there on the new forecast. And it's kind of nudged a little bit to the northwest. They, they've been kind of tucking it in a little bit further to the northwest. The global models continue to be... Um, to continue to be north and west of, of where the hurricane tracking models are. The hurricane tracking models are, are very tightly packed near where the, the hurricane centers got their forecast. Uh, but the, the global models continue to want to kind of pin this up a little bit more to the northwest. It's just a handful of miles, but it, it may make a small difference for somebody. But I can't really argue against this type of forecast with this sort of track. And by the way, if this track does verify... And we don't get any kind of a surprise where the storm is a little more intense because of that upper trough. Again, I go back to what you and I both said. This is going to be manageable. Yes, yes. It's a, again, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I feel that um, Major Garrett is an excellent news anchor. He knows this stuff, especially in politics. But I guess what uh, he was told by an executive producer read at the, the top script. Of the news was. 
read the you know, script. Make sure the script. Make sure you you read it in such a manner so that you keep or hold your viewers. And so all you have to do is just simply say, "We're watching Hurricane Elsa." It may strengthen on its way to New York. That's all you have to do to hold your audience and to get people to, you know, stay and tune in. And uh, that's that's certainly enough, I think, to uh, to get them to do that. Although, really, it's uh, the type of uh, a headline that uh, is a little bit over the top, at least for right. me. Um, maximum sustained winds are still 45 miles an hour on the uh, 8 o'clock advisory. Part of the circulation is over the water. Uh, it's all off the, over the southeast coast, southwest Atlantic. So uh, weakening is going to be slow. And, you know, this still could wind up being, a you know, may weaken to a depression, but there still might be some gust of gale force along the coast, which is one of the reasons why uh, they have the uh, tropical storm watches up for, for North Carolina. Uh, and then uh, emerging as a tropical storm, again, is there going to be some of that, what we call baroclinic deepening that goes on? That's the logic behind the Hurricane Center forecast. So from 2 a.m., it's in southern Delaware. At 2 p.m., it's at Cape Cod. So that makes it means that if you split the difference, it passes near or just east of New York City around 8 a.m. And as you pointed out, once it goes by, weather conditions are going to improve rather quickly. Yes, and as I said, uh, it would not be at all surprising if uh, tomorrow afternoon the sun put in an appearance. Uh, excuse Friday me, Friday afternoon. afternoon the sun put in an appearance. Friday afternoon, and uh, but actually, you know what? The atmosphere may s still have enough moisture, and there may be just enough instability. So, if the sun does come out Friday afternoon, we might see it boil up a couple of showers, or maybe even a couple of late day storms. Yeah, so, I, I put them uh, we in. We may start the day. We may start off the day with showery rains, which will go then to a bit of sunshine for the midday and early afternoon, and then we finish out the day with. A couple of boom booms or a couple of uh, hard showers here and there. There'll be that kind of a day on Friday. Yeah. Johnny Cuesta is asking uh, about the clouds that are in the western Gulf of Mexico, uh, if that's trop tropical. Actually, uh, if you look closely, you'll see there's a rotation here. That's an upper low. That is the upper low. The bottom of the trough that was in the eastern part of the United States separated and dropped into the western Gulf and opened the alleyway for, for Elsa to move. Uh, northward up the west side of the west coast of Florida. So that that's that upper low is on land. Sometimes you get these upper lows when they are out over the open waters of the Gulf over a series of, of, of several days or more that they can slowly warm and become a tropical system. But as long as that upper low remains uh, well inland, the center of the upper low well inland, uh, that's there's not it's not likely to do that. And uh, Bill Rogers was asking, how come some troughs kick things along and how come others don't? Well, uh, in this particular instance, uh, if you look, uh, you see the trough over the Great Lakes, take a look back in the northwestern part of the United States. There's another one right behind it. So it's one is push is kicking the other. So sometimes you have a flow like this that we refer to as being progressive. Everything progresses. It's not a political term here. It's a uh, describing the motion moving from west to east. So in this progressive pattern, that trough can't really uh, dive down or, 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 or hang around because there's one right behind it. So what you're left with then is the timing. Uh, the timing of that trough with the position of the tropical system. If they time out together, uh, you have a, you you wind up with something like this where it moves up the eastern seaboard. Suppose that trough were further west, we would have a different outcome. Maybe Elsa would be uh, further going more inland and north and west before turning north. Uh, if the trough were already further along and further east, Elsa would probably make a sharp right turn in North Carolina and then head east northeast out to sea. So when you have a, a, a progressive pattern where systems are moving west to east like this, uh, it's got to time out perfectly. The one thing I will say, by the way, is that, and I've, we, I've said this on and off for the last couple of weeks, this the persistence of these troughs in the eastern United States, if this continues, then I, get ready for multiple chances for, systems, for tropical systems to move up the east coast if we keep getting these troughs dropping into the eastern part of the United States. I don't think that's a controversial statement. I think that, that actually is, um, you know, pretty much stating the obvious. No, that's, that's absolutely true. And uh, um, 
the one thing that I noticed about ELSA that uh, a lot of the stronger systems of historic nature that affected the New York area, the one thing that ELSA lacks is any real energy, any real punch. There is nothing on the on the F-Gen map of uh, any significant punch of Omega, which quite the it's quite the difference between this storm and Itzaia last year. Last year, I mentioned this last night, between about noon and three o'clock in the afternoon during the day that Itzaia came through the tri-state area, there was a thick clustering. I mean, you almost couldn't tell one contour line from another apart that just rammed right through here during a three-hour interval. And that energy, that made all the difference. That that was the result of uh, uh, why we why we had the, the tremendous wind gusts and why we had the tremendous rains. I mean, that's that's what made Itzaia a memorable storm. We don't I don't see any of that with Elsa. That's why with Elsa, all I'm thinking of is that it's going to be a bit of rain, some gusty breezes, and that's about it. You know, and uh, uh, it does not look like any fierce storm. And as I've said so many times before, Joe, sometimes if these if these systems didn't have an if this if Elsa didn't have a name, then all we'd be talking about is oh potential. It'd be a, it'd be up. almost like a little frontal wave. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Once they get a name, that changes the whole, at least in the news media's mind. Oh, it's got an. Oh, it, it, what is it? It's, it's Elsa. It's 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 uh, Congolia. It's yeah. uh, it's Bud. You know. Then it. Then then you know. I know. I know. And then then it then I it goes know. into a whole different category. I, of fierce. By the way, storm. I put up the 700 millibar F Gen map for you, so you can. The the only F Gen is that little little uh, tongue that touches coastal New Jersey for a brief time at five in the morning and extends out into the open waters of the Atlantic. That is, uh, if you want to describe this uh, in words, I think uh, the two words that come to mind are not impressive. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, and then that just yep. kind of skedaddles along. It moves east and then north. Uh, actually gets, there's a little bit of F-Gen of, uh, of a more that serious nature when it gets over Cape Cod. Uh, for a brief time, and then that moves out. But uh, yeah, the upper. F in fact, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this and just sort of seeing at the loop. You see the energy in the Great Lakes dropping down with that upper trough, and, and it never just it never seems to get together. That trough almost stays separate, completely separate from. Uh, it lifts it up, but it doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't get close enough where you get it, where it can energize it, and I and I think that's what uh, I, I think that's what the models are telling us here. Yeah, and I think that the overview of things over the next, uh, you're talking about uh, the way the uh, troughs are going to align for uh, the next few weeks, Joe. The way the way I'm seeing it, we, we've got a long stretch now of above normal temperatures. I mean, we're talking about warm to occasionally hot, hopefully nothing like what we had last week when we saw those temperatures climb into the upper 90s. And yes, uh, Newark, if you want to believe it, low hundreds. I, I'm not talking about that kind of uh, situation, but what I am thinking is that we're going to be seeing a long stretch of above normal temperatures, which may pretty well last right on through into uh, maybe the uh, the final days of July. So July looks like it's going to turn out to be a rather warm month. Take a look at this NAM. This is for, for 11 o'clock tonight. Look how small the area of rain is with this low. I mean, it, it's it really what is that? Maybe 120 miles wide at most. That is what's, yeah. what, what's left of the core of Elsa. Uh, you start to see the rain area fan out a bit during the day on Thursday, which makes sense because now you have the cold front to the west and the upper trough to the west starting to enhance some of the rainfall. But if you, if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know that there was a tropical storm, uh, that we were talking about a tropical storm, and you looked at this map for tomorrow evening, you, you you barely can find it. There's a little closed low there in eastern North Carolina. And then as it moves off the coast uh, Thursday night, this is a 2 a.m. Thursday, there's, a, there's the low center, <clears throat> 1,007 millibars. And okay. And <laughs> that's about all I can say about that. Sitting uh, just right along the Delaware coast, 
passes east of Atlantic City, south of Long Island, at least from the world that the NAM lives in. It actually keeps the bulk of the rain in that in a, in a very tight spiral just offshore, clipping Long Island. Uh, Cape Cod, southeastern New England, <clears throat> gets into <clears throat> about a six-hour period of heavy rain and gusty winds because the low's tightening up a little bit when it gets up there. And then, of course, it's already at the, that point now we're, we're talking about something extra tropical. If we want to take a look just at the GFS, uh, the GFS, uh, actually not that different than the European. The only thing the GFS does do uh, is that it shows a much more impressive area of rain with this. Uh, starting from tonight, uh, again, kind of on the smallish side, uh, but it does start to fan out that rain through North Carolina into Virginia. Eastern, and and you, now you've got frontal showers and some thunderstorms going on in Pennsylvania and upstate New York. And then the rain comes in tomorrow night. You get some heavier rain during the overnight. By Friday morning, 8 a.m., the low is uh, just uh, just southeast of Kennedy Airport. Uh, in the in, in the in the ocean, but it's not tight. You know, not a lot, not a whole lot of isobars with this, and then it just sort of moves away to the northeast. If this were a ninety, you know, if this were under a thousand millibars, if it was a nine ninety at nine or a nine ninety eight or nine ninety seven low, you get the point. Um, I'd be more concerned with respect to the wind. But if you're talking of something that's about a thousand eight millibars, you know, it's hard to imagine that you're going to get a whole lot of wind out of this. And, you know, the other thing, and I, I'm, I'm uh, again, I, I have to be sensitive here uh, because we are talking about a very, very uh, sad situation, the uh, collapse of that apartment complex down in uh, South Florida. But for days, they kept talking about Elsa's approach and how Elsa would uh, seriously impede the, uh, the progress of digging through the debris. Uh, oh, and we're, they're watching and keeping an eye on Elsa. They keep an eye on Elsa. Well, Elsa passed. Elsa's now beyond that that area, and yet we 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 have nothing. There have been no uh, you know uh, media coverage in in the aftermath, saying what what exactly did Elsa do? Did it did it really cause any major problems in uh, in in trying to clear away that debris or trying to uh, rescue possible uh, survivors underneath all of that rubble? It, it they, they they played it up big time. Elsa's coming. Elsa's coming. Elsa, Elsa, Elsa. Elsa came by. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know, and 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 it's it almost seems now like all right. Well, it didn't do what we what we thought it might do down there. So let's now move forward and see uh, what what it'll do to the Carolinas and eventually to the New York area, or whatever. It's and it just it just blows my mind, Joe, that they just they being the mainstream media just loves to play up and in, accentuate the potential of disaster as opposed to what a storm might actually do. I have heard nothing about, you know, well, this storm looks somewhat similar to this storm and that storm didn't give, you know, really all that much in terms of a problem. And, you know, it, it just, but every storm is a potential disaster, it seems to me. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I really, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in this. I'm in your camp. I think, uh, you know, else is going to come. It's going to pass on through, and then it's going to go, and uh, we're going to resume our our uh, lives. That's correct. <laughs> the uh, upper uh, to illustrate again the upper trough right here in the Great Lakes. Here's the representation of Elsa. Now, if you were to say, if we were to see something like this with the upper trough going negative and picking Elsa up, then uh, we would be talking about something far more serious. But watch what happens here. You st the troughs never really uh, phase uh, the uh, southern extent of it. There's the representation of Elsa. The northern trough is just kind of mush. Uh, there's the, uh, the 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 short waves that I, I outline there are weak, relatively speaking, and they kind of hang around. They not only are weak, but they actually just sort of sit there up in the Great Lakes. And here we are. Thursday more uh, Friday morning. There's Elsa. Here's the upper trough to the west. It, it its function is to drag it up the east coast, which it's doing, but it's not going to be able to do much else, uh, given the fact that it's just not that strong. And then of course that upper trough swings eastward, so that we get some maybe showers or thunderstorms late Friday or to Friday night, as Joe indicated earlier. And then we go into what looks like a, a, a warm and humid weekend. Here's another trough, Joe, with an with an upper low cutting off over the Great Lakes on Sunday and a big upper high building off the East Coast. 
uh, for Sunday and early next week. We're going to be in a, a Atlantic Ridge position here. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a 597 plus high sitting off the Mid-Atlantic Coast come Monday and Tuesday. Uh, that that uh, certainly means that we should be very warm, you know, certainly be very warm and very humid. And maybe as that Great Lakes trough finally lifts out to the northeast at some point, maybe it'll trigger off a couple of thunderstorms. So we'll be going into, you know, back into summer mode uh, when uh, when we get into next week. Yes, yes. And uh, as I just noted, it looks to me, uh, at least I'm looking at the GFS long range. But if you if you take that at face value, uh, if you're hoping for another one of those beautiful, dry, clear air masses coming down from Canada, a, mids, a midsummer night's dream, so to speak, uh, it doesn't look like it, it, it's going to be coming anytime soon. Um, yeah, all, all of next week, all of like, next week looks very warm and humid. I mean, yes. very warm to borderline hot and humid. So if you have next Absolutely. week, if you have next week off, you'll be in, uh, in in pretty good shape. All right, let's go to the radars and take a look at the uh, what's going on with respect to this, the severe weather threat uh, in the uh, where the severe thunderstorm watch continues. And there's a big gaping hole <laughs> when you look at the radar. Uh, there are uh, here's the watch box. Let me pull, let me pull up that watch box if I can find it. Okay, so here it is. So this is the watch box with the counties. Okay, so there's your watch box. Now, the northern part of the watch box did get some severe weather uh, or, uh, during uh, the late afternoon and evening. And uh, But on the whole, when you look at the watch box and then we go to the radar, inside the, the bulk of the watch box, there's very little uh, activity going on. We do have some severe weather tonight in eastern Massachusetts. Looks like a... Uh, severe thunderstorm and special marine warning in and around the Boston area. There's also a uh, special marine warning that was just issued for the coastal waters uh, east of Montauk and Greenport and also uh, off the coast of south southeast southwestern Rhode Island and a severe thunderstorm warning in southeastern Connecticut. Uh, there's some cells moving just, uh, just south of I-90 uh, in upstate New York. And then we've got some strong cells that produce some severe thunderstorm warnings in central Pennsylvania. Those are moving eastward. That Joe, that might be your 10, 10 or 11 o'clock chances for some showers and storms. That area there as it moves on up up uh, to the east-northeast. Yes. In fact, if, uh, if, uh, since we do have sharing capabilities, why don't I uh, uh, check out, uh, see if I can get the RPM up Um Although no, we don't have the zero Z. The best I can give you is the eighteen Z RPM, or maybe well, the, the twenty. You have the eighteen Z European. That's true, but I'd like to, you know, animate it uh, so we can see what the RPM is showing in terms of. Well, I haven't even brought that up yet, so let me let me do that. Continue talking for a few moments while I <laughs> while I get get the the graphic that I want to show up here on the screen. Um, um, okay. <laughs> You're on a single shot here. Let me get you back to a double. There we go. We'll get us back to a double. Single, and, double, triple, home And run. let me bring <laughs> us, let's, let me get us back up. Uh, hang on see, one um, second. I just want to, come on. There we go. Oops. I'm going to watch you suffer. <laughs> By the way, all right. Now I've oh, got, you got I've it. Got... All right. I was going to show everybody what JJ's doing, but he's doing what he was doing at the beginning of the show. Snoozing. Yes. So let's see. I've got this, and I've got that, and so, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, show you the Northeast here. Let's take a look at the loop. Well, there are your yeah, storms. Right. So that's that is five thirty Z. That's actually one thirty in the morning, if you want to believe this. Well, get ready to get woken up, Mister Rayo. <laughs> if, that, <laughs> if that's the case, yeah. Well, yeah. roll back a little bit since it's eight o'clock. Roll back to ten o'clock this evening. What's it supposed to look like at ten o'clock? Um, ten o'clock. Uh, there you go. That's, that's the that that's that's one a.m. 
right? Hour it's oh oh two Z. I'm sorry. I yeah, you're right. So that's at ten o'clock. Yeah. Now go go back two more hours to eight o'clock. You're right. So then we go to zero Z. There you go. Okay. So now does your radar now does your radar match up with that, or uh, is it all a fallacy here on the? Uh, let's see. Uh, it's not too far off. It's not too far off. It's got all this stuff in Connecticut. It, they, the, there's a cell in southeastern Connecticut, and there and and you know there's a couple of str the cells up in southwestern Massachusetts, just touching northwest Connecticut. But the stuff that that has it has over central and eastern and western Connecticut, back to just north of New York City, that darker green. There's nothing there on the radar. It's not a bad match, but it's far from perfect. Why don't I just run it, uh, loop it now, and let's take a look and see what the uh, what what this is all going to say concerning uh, Elsa. Now, right now we're at uh, we're at about midday tomorrow, and Elsa, you can see Elsa there coming up from the bottom of your screen. I'm going to stop it right about here. So this would be 12Z on Friday. So this is 8 a.m. on Friday, and as you can see, according to this. Long Island is getting hammered, and uh, portions of northern and eastern uh, New Jersey are getting hammered pretty well. But then, very quickly, it spirals up it through Connecticut, up into New England, and um, pretty much it's all go gone and done right. by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Although there's more stuff now that's popping later in the day, and then we have kind of a backlash effect for uh, the end of the afternoon and well, early that's evening the cold on Friday. That, that's the cold front finally pushing by. Roll back roll back to about midnight again. So, you know, the folks that are watching in South Jersey, southern Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland can see, and Virginia can see what's going on here. Uh, so we'll, you know, so we're, cha is... we're, changing, we're changing the physics of the atmosphere and just moving weather systems backwards. Uh, but here yes. we go. Uh, this, this is... This is, midnight. Midnight. this is midnight. So you can see it there over Chesapeake Bay, the Delmarva Peninsula. You're getting some rain in southern New Jersey, uh, extreme southeastern PA. It cuts off just north and west of there. All right, so just roll it by hour by hour. So we're at midnight. That's 1 a. So this is 1 a.m. This is 2 a.m. Here's 3 a.m. That's interesting. 3 a.m., there's, there's something trying to creep into the lower Hudson Valley. Right. 4 a.m. Look at this now. Look, look at all that red over over my house, Joe. Huh. Yeah, there's an arm so that there's an arm that comes up, and then there's another arm, another band that's kind of spiraled around, spiral, spiraling around what is the low center, which probably is just east of Cape May at this point. So that's 4 a.m. Here's 5 a.m. 6 a.m. And look right here, I guess near Atlantic I guess you City. See, that's where it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right there, right, right there. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, six a.m. Here's seven a.m. Eight a.m. We just saw that a few moments ago. Nine a.m. Now the now the system is beginning to pull off to the north and east. Ten a.m. and ten thirty. Now it's eleven o'clock. Now, now it's southern and southeastern New England. And right. Wherever that convection is, if that's real, you'll probably get some decent wind gusts in, in, in those bands when they come up if that convection is real. They'll be short-lived because once the convection passes, then you'll see the winds drop off. So I, you know, I, I, we st I'm staying with what we, we said from what we, we've said from the onset. You know, showing a little bit of, of, of maybe a little bit of, of uh, energy, uh, getting a, a shot of energy from that upper trough, but not a not a lot, and not a ho not enough to make uh, any kind of big difference with respect to uh, uh, respect to the outcome. And I'm just going to bring I'm just going to bring the radar back up uh, again. Let's go to the, that shot so we can show folks what's going on uh, elsewhere. So here's uh, Elsa now, of course, inland and southern Georgia, you can see the rains there in southeastern Georgia. I'm in northeast Georgia, so you see that the band that's near the border of Tennessee, that went through me uh, between uh, 6 p.m. and just about the showtime start, and that's moving northwestward. Uh, there have been uh, <clears throat> showers and downpours back through uh, Alabama and then uh, swinging eastward. Also, part of that upper low 
and uh, Johnny Quest, you could see the rotation here, that upper low in South Texas, bringing in uh, heavy showers and storms into the coastal bend. Uh, and and uh, But again, the upper low was inland, inland, and we've got also some showers and storms uh, in the Great Lakes, in and around the Great Lakes. And you see the activity that's up in northwestern PA and back over Lake Erie. Lake Erie. And we've got some showers and storms uh, going on across uh, the state of Montana and Wyoming. So a little bit of activity up there uh, in the uh, in the northern Rockies. WPC's uh, rainfall for the next seven days, and I think we can safely say that what we're seeing in the east, given the, the big upper high that's going to start building over the weekend, is um, front-end loaded here. And they've got that uh, two- to three-inch rain band uh, from southern New Jersey and back over to northern Delaware up into New England. I think that's that's reasonable. Uh, also some heavy rains uh, in uh, parts of central Illinois, western Indiana, and northwest Missouri. You can see that patch of three to six inch or more rainfalls in uh, coastal Texas on the coastal bend. And uh, the uh, west coast of the United States is, um, is bone dry. So uh, we got one more day to take a look at this with respect to at this time tomorrow. Um, we should have it all pretty much, you know, wrapped up in whatever variables are left hanging uh, right at the moment. We should be able to solve those, those resolve those issues and say with, you know, a fair, a good amount of confidence. Uh, and, ho and hopefully we won't have to adjust our forecast from what we're saying, see, saying right now. Now you 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 told me off air a few days ago that if we ever got into this type of a situation that there might be the possibility of us getting a special guest on. Do you think that is I I I, uh, I actually asked said special guest to uh, maybe come on tonight, but um, he he wasn't ready. So um okay. I told him whenever he wants, just don't just let me know. I was hoping I'd okay. have him, we'd have him on too, but who knows? Maybe tomorrow. Might be, you know, maybe he'll be as outraged as as you and I are with the way that the media is playing this up to be the next uh, the next Sandy or the next Irene. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so let's do a, a little bit of uh, Le Jeopardy Debris Lar. Uh, hang on one second while I find the, there he goes. I got it. Just took me a while. I had a lot of messages today. So Mr. Rayo, uh, this is another one of those top 10 TV show debuts, uh, for okay. eight out of 10 within three years of TV show debuts. And you get to pick one of the, one of the doors that Mrs. Bundy is standing in front of tonight. Not Mrs. Bundy, <laughs> Mrs. Please. Bundy, yes. Okay, so let's start with Get Smart. Dun, 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 dun. Get Smart actually, I think, started in black and white. Yeah, which means I that, so. uh, and if that be the case, then it must have been around 1964. I'll say 64 for the debut of Get Smart. Uh, uh, did did uh, Don Adams win multiple Emmys for, for Get Smart? Do you remember? I, uh, for some reason, I have I, it in my mind that he did. I do remember when he did win an Emmy. I don't know if it was multiple Emmys, but uh, certainly it was a very funny uh, show. And uh, I wish we it was accessible in syndication again. It seems like a lot of the local stations like MeTV and you know, Nick at Night and these these stations, they uh, TV Land, they don't show Get Smart, at least not not anymore. But uh, yeah. I'd love to see it again. Well, uh, it'll turn up somewhere. I Spy. So, wait a minute, wait. But what would you, what year was Get Smart? Oh, I um, said sixty four. Sixty five. So you sixty five. You're right. You're so within you're within the margin of error. Uh, I okay. Spy. I Spy. Um. I'll say 1967. Uh, within the two, within the margin of error, 1965. Ironside okay. with the great Raymond Iron Burr. Hips. Iron. <laughs> well, let's see. Perry Mason came to an end in the 65-66 television season. 
I'm not sure whether or not it was 60, it was late 66 or 67 when Ironside began. I'll say 1967. And 1967 is the correct answer. Uh, yes. Mission Impossible, as my grandmother used to Mission call it. Mission Impossible was the show that replaced the long-running TV game show, What's My Line, which uh, ended its 17-and-a-half-year run in September of 1967. So I do believe that September of 1967 is when Mission Impossibility Billiter was was Mission I, I Impossible. Well. Yes. My grandmother didn't speak a word of English, not a word of English. She she loved Mission Impossible. I uh, you know, that was one of her favorite shows. And Perry she also liked Perry Mason. She watched the reruns on Channel 11 and it was it referred to that as La Maison. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> And I, I good must morning, Mr. Phipps. I must have inherited her love of, of Perry Mason uh, because I love it too. Uh, so good I'm sorry. Good what, morning, Mr. Phipps. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Good morning, Mr. Phipps. Mr. Phelps. Colonel Josh Guy, the man most able to keep peace with his country's neighbor to the south, Pocketu. Yes. He was recently captured by a small group of fanatics led by Voldor Bratkin, and now he is in a fortress outside of Plisgard. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, is to rescue Dashka from Plisgard without without con causing any concern in either pocket you or Buchak. Yeah. Mission impossible. What was if you or any of your MI force, if you or any of your MI force be captured or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of right. your action. What Good was luck, Jim? What was the year? Did you say the I year? I told you September September of sixty seven. Sixty six. 66. That's what he has, 66. No. Well, either way, you're within the margin of error. So let's move on to car 54. Where are you? Oh, that was, I think, like 1959, I'll say. Within the margin of error, 61. Emergency. Emergency. 19, well, i got to remember, 1970. I'll say, I'll say 1970. Well, it was either 72 or 73. I'll say 70. Two. And then 72 is the correct answer. The Mod Squad. The Mod Squad. 1960. It's got to be in the 60s. 1968. On the nose, 1968. The Streets of San Francisco. 1970. Hold on. Uh, I'll say 19... See, that was like... It was like almost a crossover with Marcus Welby. I'll say 1971. 1972. Hawaii 5-0 with Jack Lord. Uh, 1960... 67. 68. And I abhorred the remake, by the way. And uh, yes. the last one on the list is Adam 12. One Adam 12, one Adam, one 12, Adam 12. One Adam 12, one Adam 12. We have a disabled 19... vehicle on the on the Kosciuszko Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the Kosciuszko Bridge? Oh, God. Don't get me started. 1960, I'll say 19... I'll say 69. In 1968. So you did very well. So Joe, uh, let's um, uh, let's uh, let uh, you pick a door, and it's of course uh, a door that Mrs. Bundy is standing in front of us. Is it door number one, door number two, or door number three? She's looking at you right now, Joe, waiting for your answer. <laughs> there she is, Mrs. Bundy. Get away, Mrs. Bundy. Get away, Mrs. Bundy. Get away. <laughs> okay, Mrs. will make Mrs. Bundy go away. What happened to Carol Merrill? Or oh, she's off tonight. Uh, okay. Carol, there she is. There's our Carol. She'll come up on the okay, screen in a moment because we're on the delay, but uh, she is there. There's Carol. Thank you. But she's got that, that, I'm that choose... she's got that silver tea set from the Michael C. Fina company, though. Fina company. Uh, how about I'll go with what 
uh, Craig Carlberg says, and I'm going to go with door number two tonight. Door number two, which if you had picked door number three, you would have gotten a video of every curtain Carol Merrill opened on the entire run of Let's Make a Deal. Good Lord. We're talking about like 8,000 openings, probably. Yes. Um, <laughs> ah. Now you took door number two. Let's tell you what's behind door number one, which is a fixed an 8x10 glossy uh, swimsuit picture of Carol Merrill circa 1972. Really? You have that picture? Oh, I don't Andy? have it. I don't have oh, it. All right. I don't know if there is all one. Right. I, I just don't have it. Um, all right. But you picked door number two, so that means you get a current 8x10 glossy swimsuit picture of Carol Merrill, who's, <laughs> who's a... We love you, Carol. Don't get you know yes. a lot of good memories from watching the show. So we're just having a little bit of fun. All right, all right. And the reason why I managed, I started laughing at the Kosciuszko Bridge. I told you this story. I've, I was listening on a, uh, on a two meter repeater. I have one of these scanners behind me, and when I was on Long Island, I you listened to the Limark Radio Club, and these people on Limark had these two meter repeaters and in lieu of and this was before they became so ubiquitous before we had cell phones and smartphones these people on uh, Limark would report accidents on the various roadways and then they would patch in to the local police precincts or the local um, state trooper offices to tell them about the accident and one night there was this major accident on the Kosciuszko Bridge and so you hear one of the members going, dee, 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 dee. And you hear the, the, the woman on the other end say, yeah, New York City Police Department. He says, I like to report an accident about 1,000 yards north of the intersection of the entrance of the Kosciuszko Bridge. And it's causing lots of problems and blah, 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 blah. And right in the middle of his explanation, the, the operator says, hold on now. Says, how, do you, how do you spell Kosciuszko? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Believe it or not, uh, uh, Kosciuszko, uh, or Kosciuszko, uh, he's a um, was was a very much part of the Revolutionary War. Uh, Thaddeus Kosciuszko, and uh, he was. In fact, a, there's another bridge. There's, there's another bridge. I think you've been over. Oh, I've been over. Yeah, there's another. Yeah, there's one in upstate New York on the Northway. Right. Go go, right. go up north of Albany. Uh, he was uh, he was a uh, Polish uh, military man, and uh, he was a Polish army officer and statesman, uh, uh, statesman who gained fame for both his role in the American Revolutionary War and in uh, the leadership of a national insurrection in his own homeland. So uh, he was a, uh, you know, he was quite the man. So yes, he was. I mean, everybody, anybody who's lived in New York at one point or another has probably driven across which the, the Kosciuszko Bridge, which, by the way, is the old bridge is gone. They redid the bridge. It's nice. You know, and you no longer have the fear of, of having the bridge collapse underneath you as you as you drive across it uh, with all the potholes. Uh, but, yeah, there's one on the north way, too. So, OK, so I guess we covered it all tonight. Uh, yes, Keith James, yes. Pulaski, and Kosciuszko, big up in the Chicago area. There's Pulaski's all uh, all over the place, upstate New York. There's one in Virginia on the way down. Um, uh, there's a, I, I think there are a couple of counties uh, also uh, here and there. So that's another popular one. Uh, one maybe on another day, I'll do a little search and we can get the history of uh, Mr. Pulaski or Pulaski, depending on who you ask on how to pronounce it. Okay. So, um, uh, Joseph Sindrich just walked in and asked on the chat board for wind information for northern Westchester as the storm passes. That's a question for you, Mr. Rayo. I, I think, honestly, it we'll be looking at uh, winds of something like maybe 5 to 15 sustained with some occasional gusts at 20 or 25. If you really want to see gusty winds, my suggestion is to go down either to the Sound Shore or especially so to Long Island or coastal New Jersey. Coastal New Jersey. Um, the further inland you go, the less likely I think yeah. that we're going to be seeing any uh, significant or substantial wind problem from uh, Elsa 
as she passes by Thursday night, Friday morning. All right, let's wrap it up here. Thanks, everybody, for being here uh, tonight. Uh, first time we've had uh, over 100 viewers during the show, which is always a good thing, and 72 likes, which is nice, too. <clears throat> so uh, see you tomorrow night at 7.30 Eastern time as uh, Elsa makes its final approach, and we have our final show of the work week. So good night, everybody. Nighty-night.